Oh, thank you. And what an introduction. I'm, I'm wearing purple, which I always need to remember to stop wearing when I come to church. <laughs> but it was great to hear about focus in the, in, in the service earlier, wasn't it? Um, I'm so excited and pumped to be going. Uh, Jeannie, I was chatting to Jeannie earlier, who uh, was telling me that she has been, uh, you know, to the pandemic equivalents or to focus itself every single year of her life, uh, which means it's got to be good, hasn't it? I wonder when it comes to holidays, uh, whether or not you are the kind of person who likes to go somewhere new each time you go away, or whether you find yourself going back to the same place time and time again. When I was growing up, every Easter holiday, me and my family would go to this little village called Kipford in Scotland. It's just over the border with England. We'd go there with my grandparents. There it is on the screen, uh, looking glamorous. Who needs the Spanish beaches when you've got the beaches of Kipford? Uh, but Kipford, there wasn't really that much going on there, let's be honest. I looked it up online uh, this week, and the Visit Scotland website just says, Kipford is an unusually narrow village, i.e. a street. Uh, on the shore of the estuary of the River Yeur and is popular with yachtsmen. There's a small shop in the village and several places for eating out. Great. Every single year, we would have not that much to do in Kipford, but we would do kind of exactly the same things throughout the week on holiday. We would visit one of two nearby towns in the morning, have a cup of tea, walk to the neighbouring village in the afternoon, have a cup of tea, play some games after dinner. Anyone else come from a games family? Uh, It's definitely where my competitive streak comes from. And then would repeat that day after day. Because my grandparents just loved going back to Kipford. They loved the tea room that was in the village next door. They had holidayed in their area for years and years. And it brought back lots of good memories for them. And there are some places that we are sort of pulled back to time and time again because uh, there's something comforting about their familiarity. But there are also other places or uh, people or patterns of behavior that we can be drawn back to uh, time and time again, even when we actually don't want to be. And maybe it's an unhealthy relationship. Maybe it's the temptation to gossip about our colleagues or um, an addiction to like Netflix or chocolate or something else. Or maybe it's a tendency towards anger or self-pity or perfectionism. You know, these things too, they might also feel really familiar and they might even feel comfortable or enjoyable. Or maybe we feel immensely like frustrated that we can't seem to escape their hold over us. You know, like a magnetic force pulling us back time and time again. The struggle is real. And so how are we supposed to live fully free? Well, I think our passage today highlights three forces which uh, conspire to hold us back from living out the freedom which we have in Jesus. Because the people in the Colossian church who Paul was writing this letter to, they were, they were trying to follow Jesus, but they were um, they'd being pulled back by false teachers who were telling them that they needed to get more knowledge about God. They needed to do more in order to be fully free. And so Paul was writing to the church to say no. He was writing to encourage them in verse 6 to say, just as they'd received Christ Jesus as Lord, that is, uh, received him by grace through faith, to continue to live their lives in him, rooted and built up in him. And these three forces uh, which conspire against us, though, they're, they're sometimes referred to as the three enemies of the soul, 
the counter-trinity to God himself. They're, they're the world, the flesh, and the devil. So, you know, like, buckle in. Tonight's going to be a, a, a bumpy ride uh, if we're looking at those. And you might have heard of those ideas on Alpha. If you've done Alpha uh, here or another church where we, a course where we explore um, different aspects of the Christian faith, but actually the idea of them has been around for hundreds of years. John Mark Comer, who is an American pastor and author, has written a book called Live No Lies, which is really helpful for unpacking these three um, forces, these ideas in more detail, particularly in relation to the context that we live in today in the 21st century. And he says, uh, whether consciously or subconsciously, we're quick to dismiss these categories of the world, the flesh, and the devil altogether. But then we wonder why we feel an incessant tug of war in our chests that sabotages our peace. While it's easy to scoff at the ancient categories, I believe the world, the flesh, and the devil are alive and well. And aided by our skepticism, they are wrecking havoc in our souls and society. And so how can we live fully free? How can we escape this tug of war and resist the forces which pull us back into our old ways of living and thinking? Well, I want us to look at these forces tonight through the lens of what Jesus has won for us and how we can live that out in our lives today. And firstly, in Jesus, we have won freedom from the world. Verse 8 of chapter 2 of Colossians says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And this isn't about like hating the world or uh, retreating into a Christian bubble, but it is about recognizing that there are worldly forces, narratives, like values and ideas, which even in the places where God has called us to live and to work, conspire against us and take us captive, holding us back from enjoying the life which Jesus has won for us. You know, for the Colossians, they were trying to work out, like, what is the truth in all of the misinformation which they were being given about how to really know God. And for us, too, today, we are bombarded by different messages, aren't we? You know, things that, in all of the information that we consume on the news, on our um, social media, uh, on adverts, on our phones and on the TV, we, we have to try and glean from all of this, like, what is the truth? Because the world will tell us that we are free to do and to enjoy whatever we want. Free to upgrade when we're tired of the old model of a phone or of car, of a wardrobe or relationship. We're told you can have it all. Live your own truth. Follow your heart. And it's so easy to swallow the lie that doing all of this will make us happier will lead to fulfillment. Back when I was working in the civil service, I um, started out at a grade or a level lower than most of my friends yet there. And I spent like the first uh, year and a half of my time there sort of getting more and more discontent at not being able to do the things which my friends were doing because their roles looked so much more interesting and stretching than mine did. 
And so when I finally got a promotion, I thought, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. This is, uh, this life is going to be so good now. And I did thrive for a few months. But then the, a government spending review came around the corner and the days at work got longer and harder. And then I started having to work some weekends, had to cancel more and more plans with family and friends. And then I changed teams and actually I didn't have enough work to do. And the days got slower and slower and quite tedious. And very quickly, I found myself getting discontent again. Itchy feet. You know, there's got to be more to life than this. What's next? It turns out in the civil service for me that what was next was working on the fallout of the Brexit referendum. And so then I really did leave at that point. But the truth is, although it feels like we have more freedom than ever before, lots of us actually feel emptier than ever dissatisfied until we have the next new thing, unable to quit the rat race. And in that sense, we've been taken captive by the things of this world. But Jesus came to proclaim freedom for the captives, to give us life to the full, ultimate fulfillment in him. But just to name it, to be honest, even when I know those truths in my heart, when I feel like I'm living them out, there is often still a part of me which feels the pull towards those other things in the world as well. Because it's not that all of them are bad in and of themselves, and actually we absolutely can find enjoyment in a new job opportunity or a new car or a new outfit which we look great in. But the problem is that these things on their own will always leave us wanting more. And so what do we do tomorrow morning when we're walking through the doors to work and we feel uh, that sense of like itchy feet or that um, subtle pull towards ambition again? When we're scrolling on Instagram and the recommended for you uh, feeds us more and more pictures of beautiful people who, which leave us feeling like we just fall way short of the mark. How do we respond? Well, we need to replace the false narratives which are running through our minds in those moments with God's truth. You know, change the channel as such from, from one which tells us that we will only be happy or free if we have X, Y, or Z, to to the one which tells us who we already are in Jesus. Which sounds simple, but takes practice and real intentionality. When Jesus was tested in the wilderness, and uh, he used scripture to counter the temptations of worldly power, possessions, and glory. And so if we want to follow his example, which is probably a pretty good place to start for us today, we need to firstly know what the truth is in the Bible that can call out the false narratives of the world. And then secondly, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going old school tonight because I'm going to say that secondly, we need to learn some of these verses. We need to redeem and reclaim the Sunday school memory verse. Does anyone else remember that from years gone by? Because 
actually when we learn scripture and when we memorize scripture, the impact which it has, it means that we can recall it, we can bring it to mind in those moments when we've got other thoughts kind of popping into our heads, when we're feeling pulled back by discontentment, we can proclaim God's truth over those lies. And so for me, what that looks like, when, I, when I'm feeling like I don't match up to the world's standards of beauty and body image, I can know and proclaim that Psalm 139 verse 14 says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When I, uh, another friend makes it onto the property ladder and I go and see their house and I sort of get these feelings of discontent. When I, another friend, you know, I see the sparkle of an engagement ring on their finger and I feel like, is there something empty in my life that I'm missing? I can hold on to Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 which says, be content with what you have because God promises, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. In Jesus, we have freedom from the world, and we live this out as we root ourselves in the Word of God. And in Jesus, we also have freedom from the flesh. Verse 11 of chapter 2 in Colossians says, Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Now, circumcised my Christ. To be totally honest, like one of my only frames of reference here was the episode of Friends. I don't know if anyone's seen it when Joey, who's one of the characters and an actor, he has to prove that he's uncircumcised uh, for a job that he's going for. I call me a prude, but when I saw this passage, I felt a little bit awkward about having to speak about it. But the circumcision that Paul is talking about here isn't physical, but it's a spiritual circumcision of the flesh, which in the Bible, the flesh is a way of describing like the self-oriented and sinful desires uh, of our inner bodies before we come to Christ. What Paul is saying is that these desires have been cut away from our hearts by Jesus. You know, when we receive his love, we are freed from being ruled by the flesh, driven by these desires, even if they still like, exist within us, because we're now ruled by Jesus instead. You know, that's what it means to receive him as Lord. We invite his rule and his way in our lives. And some people experience complete freedom uh, from a pattern of behavior or an addiction when they encounter Jesus for the first time. If you've done Alpha, you might remember Shane Taylor's story. If you don't know it, Shane Taylor was one of uh, Britain's most dangerous criminals before he was filled with the Holy Spirit whilst he was in prison. And he experienced total transformation in his outlook and behavior overnight. But for others of us, it can be a longer process of transformation, the slow, refining work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, an ongoing working out of our freedom, like the teasing out of a splinter. The good news of the gospel for us tonight is that there is grace upon grace upon grace when we fall short and in these struggles. God's love covers over a multitude of sins and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But where you feel like there is a pattern of behavior or a habit in your life which you keep being pulled back to and actually you really want to experience freedom and breakthrough in that area 
know, maybe it's in your relationship with like food or alcohol. Maybe it's in um, a, sh- a short temper, what you watch online or how long you stay in bed in the morning after your alarm has gone off day after day after day. It's in those sort of habits, those um, desires, those decisions, those patterns of behavior. How can we live in the freedom which Jesus has won for us? Well, in addition to inviting that work of the Holy Spirit, that transforming uh, aspect of the Spirit, working deep within us over time, I think that as we bring some of these things into the light as well, what the darkness has tried to hide, what shame has kept a secret, perhaps sometimes their grip begins to weaken and their hold over us lessens. You know, we uh, mentioned earlier about joining a group And this term at St. Mark's, I joined the exercise group, uh, which has been awesome. Exercise for me is usually a necessity rather than a joy. I cycle to work apart from when I drive, and then I don't really do much else on top of that very regularly. But the exercise group has been great because the peer pressure of being with other people whilst I'm doing my fifth burpee means that I don't give up quite as quickly as I otherwise would. This last Thursday, I pulled a muscle in my leg during the (laughs) warm-up. And if I'd been on my own, I absolutely would have used that as my golden ticket for finishing at that point, for putting the kettle on, having a cup of tea in front of the TV, uh, rather than risking hurting myself further. But being in this group of of people, uh, I didn't want to look wimpy in front of them. And Chris and Lizzie, who lead the group, are so encouraging that they're like, keep going, you've got this. And I was like, I will keep going. Yes, I have. This girl can. (laughs) And the thing is, we need these people in our lives, don't we? Who can also encourage us in our faith journeys as well. I've got a couple of friends who I meet uh, with regularly to pray together, and they have permission to ask me how I'm doing uh, in areas which I struggle with. And when I'm feeling uh, exhausted or disappointed and frustrated that I'm not seeing breakthrough in a particular area, or that I've gone back to that thing time and time again, these girls that uphold me in prayer they speak truth over me, and they encourage me to keep going. Who are your people? Have you joined a group as a starting place? It might feel uncomfortable, but who could you invite to, um, to give permission to help you live more fully free? In Jesus We have freedom from the world. We have freedom from the flesh. And finally, we have freedom from the devil. Verses 13 to 15 of chapter 2 say that God has forgiven us all of our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You know, a lot of Christians today don't want to acknowledge that there is a spiritual enemy at work in the world. And I'm not talking about a little 
red man with horns. You know, Jesus talks about the devil as an accuser, as the father of lies. And in Ephesians chapter 6, it says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And actually, when we acknowledge that there is a, a, some, a spiritual force behind some of the horrific evil which we see in the world today, you know, when we're trying to understand what is happening in Ukraine and where God is, when we're processing systemic racism or modern-day slavery, it can help us begin to make sense of why there is so much suffering in the world. But it's not just on a global scale, even as individuals, for you and for me today, it can help us to make sense of why we keep feeling like there is this unseen force pulling us back into old ways of living and thinking. Why we can still struggle with shame and fear and anxiety, even when we've known and walked with Jesus for years and years why we can still listen and believe those lies which pop into our minds, and why we can feel like we're not living fully free. Because freedom from evil doesn't mean the absence of evil yet. But on the cross, Jesus triumphed over the devil. The powers that seek to humiliate and heap shame on us were themselves humiliated and defeated. On the cross, God forgave us all of our sins. He nailed our shame to the cross. And on the cross, Jesus secured the victory for us. But the battle is still being played out. Just as in World War II, when D-Day, which happened on the 6th of June 1944, secured the victory for the Allied powers. It wasn't until V-Day, 11 months later, on the 8th of May 1945, that the victory was fully realized and the war ended. Just in the same way, we too are living in that in-between time today. But... For now, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what tells us it is going to be okay. More than that, actually, in his Easter Day message this year, the Archbishop of Canterbury described the resurrection of Jesus as God's victory shout. He said the resurrection in its conquest of death promises each individual a life that is abundant and will overflow into eternity. It promises each nation and every victim and survivor that the injustices, the cruelties, the evil deeds and soulless institutions of this world do not have the last word. One time when we were on holiday in Kipford in Scotland, we strayed from our daily routine uh, to go for a walk on a different beach that afternoon. And me and my sister Catherine, we wanted to uh, climb on the rocks at the top of the beach. And so my mum stayed with us whilst my other sister, Sarah, went for a walk along the beach with my aunt and grandparents. And after a while of climbing on the rocks, we look out across the beach to see where they've got to, to see uh, whether they're on their way back yet. And there they are in the distance, like waving to us. And we think, oh, that's nice. Like we wave back, hello. (laughs) And then we carry on climbing on the rocks for uh, a bit longer. We look out again a few moments later and they are still there in the distance waving to us. 
And we think, well, that's a little bit weird. Why haven't they moved? And then we think, are they, are they shouting something at us? And so my mum says to me and Catherine, you stay where you are. She'll go and see what's happening if everything is all right. Everything is not all right because they are stuck in quicksand. I, I'm not even joking. It was up to, their, um, up to their calves, up to their knees in parts, and they were stuck. Apparently, there had been a warning sign, but it sunk. <laughs> and so my mum goes over to them, and they cannot pull themselves out of this quicksand. And so my mum has to reach over you know, without herself getting stuck and pulled down, she reaches over, she grabs a hold one by one of their arms, and she pulls them out of the quicksand. And in the same way, sometimes when we feel the pull downwards, you know, we can't free ourselves. We need someone else to come and to reach over, to come alongside us, to reach us and to pull us back up. You know, on the cross, Jesus reached down and he pulled us out of the grip of the enemy. God has forgiven all of your sin and your shame. He has set you free and when you feel like you're being pulled back under, Unable to shake yourself from the grip of certain desires or habits or patterns of behavior which seem to be holding you captive. Jesus sees you in the struggle. He comes alongside you to pull you back up. And so when you're feeling caught up in the middle of a tug of war for your soul, uh, you can come back to Jesus. Because to know Jesus is to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And actually, it's in worshipping Jesus. It's in um, looking to him. You know, it's like the song goes, which we sometimes sing here, I raise a hallelujah, my weapon is a melody, because it's in those moments of declaring who Jesus is and what he's done for us as we lift our eyes to him and as we thank him, as we respond with thankfulness, we receive his perspective and we remember who we are in Jesus, that we have the victory in Christ. And, you know, we don't save our worship for a Sunday, like our whole lives are an act of worship in response to what God has done for us. But there is something significant when the people of God gather together and declare God's victory in this place because we are coming together and we are saying this is who our God is. This is what he's done in our lives. Even in the midst of the battles that we are facing wherever we are during the week, it's in those moments of declaring who God is in our praise. And I think that actually as, as a church, we should be more expectant that God is going to move in our times of worship that he is going to come and fill us with his Holy Spirit again, that he is going to do things, that he is going to set us free from things which we are struggling with. And so when we come together in worship, let's come with that expectancy that God wants to move and bring freedom in our lives. And actually, I'd love us just to respond tonight in worship. 
I'd love us to really declare who God is over our lives, over our circumstances, over our situations. And we're going we're gonna to sing together now. And, and I'd just say, let's use, um, let's use the lyrics which we sing as a starting point for our praise to t- tonight. But let's declare who God is. Let's overflow with thankfulness tonight as we respond in worship. <laughs> 